sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. You know what day it is. Football Friday. Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well, I am Ben Stevens. A football Friday in many different capacities. A huge football Friday, in fact. Of course, week number 13 of the NFL regular season kicking off last night on a Thursday in Foxborough. We'll break down what happened between the Bills and and the Patriots, what it means for the AFC East, and the AFC outlook overall. We'll also set up your Sunday slate, week number 13 of this NFL season, in just a few days with the marquee matchups that we can expect. But it's also Football Friday, because on this Friday evening, conference championship weekend in college football begins, including the Pac-12 title game in Las Vegas between number four USC and 11th ranked Utah. And one more wrinkle to football Friday. Tomorrow morning, football, 10 a.m. Eastern time in the round of 16. The United States men's national team looks to get to the quarterfinals for the first time in the World Cup since the early 2000s. We'll break down that match later on in the second hour and look around the World Cup, the final day of the group stage. And when the games come to an end simultaneously, at the same time, it is some of the best theater you will see in the world of sports. But let's start with week number 13, kicking off last night, Thursday night football between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. A divisional duel, and for Buffalo, their first AFC East win of the season. 24-10 last night inside Gillette Stadium over New England. Buffalo closing as a short road favorite. Only three and a half points was that spread in favor of the Bills. Buffalo now favored in all 12 of their games this year. A 9-3 and three football team straight up. 6-6 six and six against the number. Just the second cover though, for, cover though for Buffalo in the last six games. So they easily cover as a three and a half point favorite. The total last night of 43 and a half stays under. New England had a lead midway through the first quarter. Buffalo scored on its opening drive a field goal. New England responds with a touchdown. And then on the first play of the second quarter, a Josh Allen touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. And that was the game pretty much from there. Buffalo cruising from that point. They never rescinded the lead. For Josh Allen, a very efficient night. 22 of 33, 223 yards and two touchdowns, 20 rushing yards as well. Well under pretty much all of his props last night, but again, efficient. And Josh Allen's favorite target is Stephon Diggs, one of the best wide receivers in all of the National Football League. His receiving yards prop last night, 82 and a hook. Stephon Diggs goes over, seven grabs, 92 yards and a touchdown. He has gone over that number, the reason I specifically bring it up, of 82 and a half. In eight of the 12 for Buffalo this year. And every time he has gone over, he has had at least 92 receiving yards. A sustainable trend to keep an eye out on for Stephon Diggs throughout the rest of this NFL regular season. From a rushing yards perspective, you saw Mac Jones on the sideline saying, in quotes, maybe not quite quotes, but pretty much verbatim something along the lines of, our run game stinks. Let's throw the football. Well, Ramondre Stevenson under his rushing yards prop last night. Devin Singletary had a number at 51 and a half. 
finishes shy just by the hook. And again, Josh Allen under that number, eight carries for 20 yards. It was a defensive game as well. Vaughn Miller injured on Turkey Day for Buffalo, missed last night. We'll get to who filled in for him in just a moment. But first, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the opening hour of a football Friday, live right here on TMA, Sirius XM Channel 1. Five, nine. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. And I am Ben Stevens. The Buffalo Bills get a victory on the road in Foxborough last night. 24 to 10 to start off week number 13 of this NFL regular season. There was some concern for Buffalo as you see the final score there. Again, the Bills covering as a three and a half point road favorite. There was some concern for Buffalo following their Thanksgiving Day game against the Detroit Lions. They come back and win 28-25. They do not cover as a nine and a half point favorite. They've only covered twice in their last six games now, including last night in New England. But bigger picture concern, Vaughn Miller left that football game early. It looked rather serious. The news since then in terms of Vaughn Miller's injury has been pretty positive. They expect him only to miss a game or two. So last night we were looking for who was going to fill in to provide that pressure on Mac Jones. It was AJ Epinesa cashing in on that sack prop last night plus 205 the number the only sack for buffalo yesterday evening the pride of the iowa hawkeyes getting to mac jones last night the pride of the michigan wolverines josh uche two sacks on the other side for new england a big game though because entering yesterday all four teams in the afc east had a winning record that is no longer the case new england drops to an even 500 six and six now a game and a half out of that afc playoff picture the Buffalo Bills odds to win the AFC East division now in first place by themselves just a half game ahead of the Miami Dolphins entering the Sunday slate their odds to win this division even stronger minus 300 Miami that second best price at plus 320 and the Jets 15 to 1 I would say three of these four teams the Bills the Dolphins and the Jets all pretty favored at the moment to get into the postseason and not just a change for Buffalo there at the top of the AFC East division also once again co-favorites alongside the Kansas City Chiefs with a plus 200 number to win an AFC championship co-favorites to win Super Bowl 57 once again as well at plus 430 we'll set the stage for the rest of the Sunday slate week number 13 of this NFL season alongside Mike Blewett up next live right here on the morning after on sports sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Week number 13 of the NFL regular season kicked off last night in Foxborough in AFC East divisional duel between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. Buffalo now a 9-3 record in that first place spot within the division. There will be some more teams with some big games from the AFC East around the NFL for your week 13 Sunday slate. So helping us set that stage live right here on a football Friday on the morning after on Sports Grid. <clears throat> It is Mike Blewett, one of the co-hosts of Pro Football Today. He will get you incredibly set for your Sunday in the NFL. Come Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, live right here on the Spiz Grizz. Mike Blewett, thank you for joining us, as always, on this Football Friday. What's up, buddy? Off to a good start last night. At least one team off to a good start last night. And uh, excited to go through all of it. Uh, Really high-profile games 
that we'll get to. Obviously, Chiefs-Bengals rematch of the AFC championship game. And then Dolphins-Niners, which is just as exciting because I think people realize that both of these teams are for real in challenging for a conference crowd. A litmus test for both of those teams, the San Francisco 49ers in my Miami Dolphins. A big morning for me and the whole two and on crowd on Dolphins Twitter. So let's start with another team from the AFC East, Mike Blewett, and that would be Mike White in the New York Jets. On the road in mm. Minneapolis against the Vikings team that remains with the second best record in the NFC, a 9-2 mark. But a short spread, Blewett, for this game in the Twin Cities on Sunday afternoon. Just three points in favor of the Vikings. Can Mike White keep the momentum going? Is Mike White the quarterback for the rest of the season for the New York Jets? I think I think it's possible. I, I know that the Jets are saying the right things and they want to be in the Zach Wilson business long term. <clears throat> but when you have a team like this that is actually challenging for a playoff spot and whose one significant hole was the quarterback position because the defense is playing with a lot of, certainly with a lot of energy, and they have talent on that defense at all three levels. And you have, for the first time in a really long time, legitimate skill players on offense. Garrett Wilson yep. is a stud. We saw one opportunity that he had had in two months, and he crushed it. He murdered the Bears in the first quarter, basically. So I do think it's really interesting dynamic that if Mike White can just run the offense the way they want him to run it, he can just stay in there for the rest of the season. Um, I, I do think long-term that there's some hindrances on the Jets because Brees Hall is no longer there, and the offensive line really is a problem right now. I, I think going into the season, you saw it as a potential bright spot, but as backups start to play, the longer they play, I, I think they'll get exposed to some extent with Becton's been out for the whole year and, and Vera Tucker uh, obviously is on the sidelines now. So I find this to be a really interesting game because – are the jet are you getting a little bit of value here with the Vikings because the Jets had such a really interesting offensive performance? Or are we still worried about what the Vikings actually are, right? They they uh they they stepped in it against Dallas. But yep. I, I think this spread is right where it should be. I think it's a tight game. And then usually in games like this, I'm going to take the points. But I think this is going to be a tall order for the Jets to go on the road and get a W here. And the Vikings are the slightly the better team. Yeah, sorry. The three points, I think, is just sort of where it needs to be. I'd probably lay the three here, but I wouldn't do it confidently. A short spread for Minnesota should be no surprise. Eight of the nine wins for the Vikings right. this year decided in games that were ending with a single-digit margin. And when you look at the New York Jets, five and four against the spread as a dog. They have covered in all seven of their wins, five outright as an underdog. But another story of this game, Mike Blewett, the Minnesota Vikings have an opportunity to clinch the NFC North Division on Sunday. They have an opportunity already week 13, and you see that reflected in the odds. Minus 20,000 for Minnesota. We showed you the AFC East odds at the start of the show. The New York Jets, by the way, minus 128 now. Their odds getting better to be an AFC postseason team. The Bears don't have a price to win the NFC North. Chicago at the moment, the worst record in that conference. The Green Bay Packers still do, blew it. They're not going to win the division for a fourth consecutive year. And they're not mathematically eliminated yet from the postseason as well. But that could come very soon. 
Here the Packers go on the road to Soldier Field on Sunday against the Chicago Bears, where Aaron Rodgers has reiterated he wants to play in this football game despite leaving Sunday night against the Eagles early with a rib injury. It's a three and a half point spread. It's moved up to four and a half. It started at three when we were unsure about Aaron's availability. Now three and a half. He also then followed that up, Mike Blewett, Aaron Rodgers did, by saying, if they have the conversation of wanting to shut me down this year, I would listen to what that needs to be. So do you think that point is coming soon for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? And how will Sunday in Chicago factor into that conversation? I know a lot of NFL players play with a lot of pride, and I, I wouldn't suggest Aaron Rodgers does anything but that. But there comes a point at which what is the, what is the end goal? What's the end game here just to tough it out with your teammates? I think that is a real motivation for a lot of players. But if they're actually mathematically eliminated and he's playing with a broken thumb, I think he can look at everybody in the locker room and say, look, we have to get better next year. And in order for us to do that, I'm going to give way to Jordan Love for a few games and just see what he has. I'm the starting quarterback moving forward. I think he can have a real conversation there. What I would say is that the Bears have lost five games in a row. Justin Fields is hurt. And I think anytime you see a team, and I give them credit for battling the way that they did, but as teams battle, bad teams battle through a lot of close losses, I, I usually, usually see it start to slip away. We saw it slip away earlier for the Texans. But in total, Ben, I, I haven't drastically changed my opinion of what this Bears team is. I am excited about Justin Fields moving forward. But this is still a bad football team that's lost five games in a row. You can say the same for the Packers that it's a bad football team, but I don't think the talent compares. I like the Packers to go on the road and get a W. Justin Fields' status for Sunday, still uncertain, by the way. Chicago has played six straight games to the over. All right, now some of those more key matchups, Mike Blewett, a game we touched on at the start of the show. The Miami Dolphins on the road in Santa Clara against the San Francisco 49ers. It's Kyle Shanahan against his former offensive coordinator in Mike McDaniel, who, of course, was with the 49ers last year, now the new head man in South Beach. Miami is an 8-3 and three football team. They have won five straight games. The San Francisco 49ers, 7-4. and four. They are riding a four-game win streak as well. So, blew it on this stage. Which side do you trust more with the Niners a three-and-a-half-point favorite? I, I hate that hook because I think this could be a close game, but I'm Niners. I'm Team Niners on this one. I, I no disrespect for the Dolphins at all, and all the people out there that now love you for apologizing about Tua. I've never said a, a, a bad word about Tua in my life, so don't Good. come for me on Twitter or any other social media platform. I'm a fan. I've bet on the Dolphins in every possible way this year, so let, let that be known. That being said, I bet on the Niners in every possible way as well. Uh, I think I like this game. I'm excited about it. I think the the Dolphins have a chance to stay in there. The only thing I, I really need to know is the health of all the key 49ers players, including Christian yeah. McCaffrey. It could conceivably change my opinion to take the points, but I think this is a really tall order for the Dolphins, and I, I'm going to take the Niners here. I will lay the three and a half, which I don't feel great about. A lot of spreads, as we obviously we've talked about this morning that are right around that key number of three. And we'll look at our triple option, our favorite side total and prop in our next segment together. We'll also preview the more key matchup of the Sunday slate, an AFC title game rematch 
now in Cincinnati between the Bengals and the Chiefs. But Blue, at one final point here on this game between the Dolphins and the Niners, I'm incredibly excited to see what happens between best versus best. The Dolphins on this five-game win streak in their last four consecutive wins, they have scored at least 30 points. The Niners on this four-game win streak have shut out their opponents in the second half in all four of the games. They have not allowed a single point in four consecutive second halves. As they say, something has to give. We'll give you our triple options up next here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A football Friday continues live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Mike Blewett is back for a second straight segment. We will get to our triple options in just a moment. Our favorite side, total and prop for the Week 13 NFL Sunday slate. But the marquee matchup of Sunday, Blewett, in Cincinnati on Sunday afternoon. A rematch of the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. A very short number under that key number of a field goal, just two and a half in favor of KC. Blew it with an over-under at 52 and a half. From the odds perspective, this should be an absolute dandy on the gridiron. It should live up to the expectation we have for it. But do you believe, Mike Blewett, the actual game on the gridiron will follow what these numbers indicate? I think what's pretty fascinating about this, first of all, there's a huge number, right? 52 and a half. And what's pretty fascinating about it for me, and Ben, you know, and we're going to get to it in a minute during the triple option, I follow a lot of half trends, what teams would look like in the first half, what they look like in the yep. second half. We just talked about the Niners, hugely relevant story that they haven't allowed a point in a month in the second half. Now, the Bengals are another team that is excellent in the second half defensively. Luan Ramo typically makes adjustments and shuts teams down if you're betting against Bengals opponents in the second half, it's been a good trend to follow. Even last week, the Titans scored six points in the second half, a couple of field goals. Now, coming into this game, who's the best scoring team in the second half in football? The Kansas City Chiefs. So here we are, a top-notch second-half defense and the best second-half offense in the entire league, which is relevant, Ben, because you are a Chiefs fan. I know you're a Dolphins fan for today but you are a Chiefs yep. fan, and you would note that it isn't always pretty from whistle to whistle for them. First halves are a little bit ugly for the Chiefs, and if that's the case this week, they might find themselves in trouble. Ironically, last year in the AFC Championship game, it was the second half that did the Chiefs in. They were fine. Yep. They had a lead, and they blew it really in the fourth quarter. So we see a similar dynamic. I, I'm really curious to watch that unfold i do think the chiefs are the class of the afc but i've been a bengal supporter all along i haven't really doubted them obviously they're on a seven and two run which is as good as any team in the league in the last nine games so i'm excited to watch it i think this second half is going to be really fun to watch and i think it's very important for the chiefs to get out to a good start early so if i'm betting the chiefs i'm more likely to bet them ironically first half than second half because I think they're going to have to focus on first half points 
with the adjustments that the Bengals are able to make. And we showed you those offensive stats. The Chiefs, the best scoring offense in the NFL. The Bengals, the fifth best. But on this three-game win streak that since he enters this huge matchup against KC on, they are averaging 33 points per game. It's the second best mark in the last three weeks in all of the NFL, led by those two quarterbacks right there. Patrick Mahomes, Mike Blewett. Now the NFL MVP odds on favorite, a minus 150 number. He has thrown for at least 320 yards in six consecutive games for Kansas City who was also on a five game win streak the Bengals only an underdog one other time this year they lost by two on a last second Justin Tucker field goal against the Ravens early in the first month of this season but they did cover as a three-point road dog a two and a half point home underdog blew it and this game of course will have huge ramifications for the AFC championship market with the win last night Buffalo a co-favorite alongside Kansas City now both teams plus 200 the Bengals blew it the fifth best number currently in the AFC title race blew it if you had to book this market yourself right now who's your favorite to win the AFC championship it's a tough one it's a tough one um but I am gonna go with the Bills I think that Despite my our friend Kevin Walsh and our co-host Kevin Walsh really wanting to push back on the Bills, I think they are showing you through injuries that they are an extremely difficult team to beat. They just won three games away from home in 12 days, and I think that was proof that you can give them your best shot, and they're willing to they're able to bounce back. Not every game has to look pretty. Not every game has to be a cover. And I, I think uh, jokingly what Kevin often talks about, and I think rightfully so, is that a lot has been handed to the Bills by the sports books during the course of this year, going into it and during the year. A lot of big spreads that they haven't covered, but last night a, a dominant performance against the New England team that's starting to fade a little bit, at least on the field they look like they're fading. Um, I, I back the Bills over anybody right now. I still think they're the best team. But the two biggest challengers to me are the Chiefs and actually the Bengals. I, I think the Bengals are going to be really tough come playoff time. And that's no disrespect to the Dolphins because I, I really like the way that this team is built. I just yeah. I find it hard to – now the Bengals did this last year. I just find it hard for the Dolphins to maybe go from not being a playoff team to beating everybody in their way. The Bengals went on a crazy right. run last year. It could happen again. The Dolphins right now, a plus 850 number, tied for the third best price in Tua Tungavailoa himself, the third best number to win the NFL MVP at 6-1. to one. All right, we're going to have to go rapid fire here, Mike Blewett, in our triple option, our favorite side total and prop for the Week 13 Sunday slate. Please begin with your favorite side of the weekend. So as I said, I like to attack certain halves. I think there's a bunch of games that jump out to me this week, but I'll stick with Dallas here. Minus six in the first half against the Colts. The Colts are really in a bad way. Dallas is a very good first-half team. As far as scoring is concerned, they are, uh, yeah, they scored 12 points a game in the first half. I don't think the Colts, I think Colts' offense is totally broken. They have injuries to the offensive line. They are going to be going up against Micah Parsons, who is going to make their life hell. This uh, Dallas's pressure win rate is as good as is the best in the entire league. I think going up against what has been a leaky offensive line, particularly on pass protect which we saw against the Steelers as well. Uh, I don't like the Colts in the first half. I think Dallas takes them, uh, takes them to the woodshed in the first half. 
I sincerely hope this is the last time we see the Indianapolis Colts in a primetime game all NFL season long. That's all ugly. right, my favorite side is also one of the biggest storylines of this weekend. Deshaun Watson makes his return to the National Football League for the first time in nearly two years. And he makes his return against his former team in Houston, taking on the Texans as the starter now for the Cleveland Browns. The Browns, a seven-point touchdown favorite. Deshaun Watson, of course, serving an 11-game suspension for multiple violations of the NFL's personal conduct policy to start off the 2022 season. My favorite side is the underdog in this matchup with all the enthusiasm that Houston will feel playing their former franchise quarterback. I look at the Texans and I look at the Texans as an underdog. They have been very, very good. First, I don't really think Deshaun Watson adds much to the Cleveland Browns. This is his first football game in 700 days in the NFL. I don't think the Cleveland Browns should really be laying any numbers, especially a touchdown number on the road to any football team at the moment. They're four and seven. They're three games below 500 and their quarterback is about to make his first start in nearly two years meanwhile the Texans blew it as you well know a really good underdog 27 of their 28 games in the last two years they've been booked as a dog they're 12 14 and 1 against the spread all right not the best numbers they've been booked as an underdog in every game this year and as a touchdown or more underdog six times they're four and two against the spread in those football games and they keep things competitive they fight for Lovey Smith I think they stay within this number here. And if they pulled off the outright upset, I would not be all that surprised. Quickly here, Mike Blewett, what do you think the atmosphere will be like in Houston on Sunday as the Texans welcome back to Sean Watson? I think you're going to hear a lot of boos. Uh, I don't think people are going to be kind to him. I don't expect anybody to be kind to him. I think this really worked out the way the NFL needed it to work out with an irrelevant Browns team, him coming back to an irrelevant Browns team at the end of the year. No fanfare. There'll be focus on it, obviously, but it's not important. They're unlikely to be a playoff team, and they're playing against the Houston Texans, which is the worst team in the league. I know people are married to the storyline because it's his former team, and I understand all of that, but it helps them because nobody really cares about the game. It's an irrelevant game. Yep. Houston, the worst rushing defense in the NFL, by the way, giving up a buck 68 on the ground. Keep an eye on Nick Chubb's rushing yards prop. All right, Mike Blewett, now your favorite total. Go ahead. Uh, Seattle over 12 and a half in the first half. Rams are banged mm -hmm. up. No Aaron Donald. I think Seattle, Seattle's offense has actually been a good first half offense. So uh, we're going to go with that. They score uh, 14 points a game in the first half, seventh best in the league. So I'm going to go with them to take advantage of the injured Rams defense. Speaking of halves, only half of the Denver Broncos roster came to Russell Wilson's birthday party earlier this week. It's my favorite under Tough of the weekend. 39 and a half between the Broncos and the Ravens in Baltimore. It's one of the biggest spreads of the weekend as well. Eight and a hook in favor of the Ravens. The Denver Broncos have played 10 of their 11 games to an under. And even with a total below 40, blew it. 10 of their 11 games have fallen under this number as well. They're the worst scoring offense in the National Football League for a reason. I think we see it on display once again. Blew it, your favorite prop. Fire away. Uh, before I give you the prop, I would say, Ben, if you have a birthday party, I will make sure that more than half of the Sports Grid hosts show up to your party. How's that? I hope so. Wednesday beers okay. with the fellas? Sounds like a pretty good deal. I'm in. Let's go. So, Charlie Lawrence over passing yards. Lions defense, uh, particularly over the passing defense, has been abysmal for the majority of the year. They obviously fired their defensive backs coach, and I think Trevor Lawrence is on a roll right now two games in a row. 
where he's gotten over 250, which is where this number should slot in. If Christian McCaffrey is healthy, my favorite prop is his receiving yards number. It's really the rushing yards number hasn't been great for CMC. The receiving yards is a big component of that San Francisco offense. Mike Blewett, we will see you on Sunday morning live right here on the Spiz Grizz at 10 a.m. Eastern time for Pro Football Today. Thank you very much. More TMA continues next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on a football Friday, although a temporary pause on our football Friday to set up the weekend in the association within the NBA as we welcome you back to the morning after live right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159 and all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. It was not a big Thursday evening slate in the National Basketball Association. In fact, there was only one game, but it was quite a big night on NBA Twitter for a variety of reasons. I'll let you go to social media and figure out why. But there was one game last night, the Detroit Pistons hosting the Dallas Mavericks. And the Pistons pull off the upset outright at home, 131-125 in overtime. To help us break down that game and set the stage for the weekend moving forward, Evan Sideri is back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid, a national basketball reporter and NBA reporter for basketballnews.com. Evan, thank you so much, as always, for taking the time to join us here on the morning after. Ben, as always, appreciate the invite. We are glad to have you here. So one game last night, Luka and the Mavs on the road against the Detroit Pistons. Luka continues to have a sensational statistical year, 35 points, 10 assists last night as well in a double-double. But his Mav team, Evan, goes on the road and has a loss by six points, 131-125 again, the final in overtime against the Pistons. Was there any big standing takeaway from you from the result last night in extra minutes in Detroit yesterday. Yeah, this Mavericks team Ben has been struggling all year long on the road, but to lose against Detroit without their best player in Cade Cunningham might be out for the season with a shin injury. Let Bojan Bogdanovic, Killian Hayes, Marvin Bagley all have big games. It's just not a good look for the Mavericks, and it's also a point we've been hammering home all season long, Ben, but Luka has all this workload on his plate offensively, and no one consistently is helping out alongside him, whether it be Tim Hardaway, Christian Wood, whoever else, it's some other guy every other night. And it has to be more consistent than that. And I think this Mavericks team moving forward now at 10 and 11, they have to be thinking to themselves internally, what can we do to improve? Because Lucas having such a special year offensively, putting up historic usage numbers, offensive numbers as well. But it's kind of all for not the moment because they don't have a consistent team around him. So I'm wondering to myself, Ben, are the Mavericks a team that we should be monitoring here in the next couple months to make a big move? Because they can't be wasting a season like, like this from Luka Doncic, in my opinion. To go off at 35 points, and you still lose in overtime to the worst team in the NBA, it's just not a good look. Yep. An eight-point favorite still on the road, despite those struggles, and the Pistons win outright as that home underdog in overtime. They can't set the props high enough for Luka Doncic on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 31 and a half, and the over had the juice for his points prop last night, and he still goes over that with 35 in 10. But Evan, as of this Friday morning... A change in the MVP odds in the association. Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, no longer the co-favorites. They still have the same number at plus 290, but now it's Jason Tatum 
as the lone favorite to win the NBA MVP at plus 270. A change from literally where these numbers were just yesterday, less than 12 hours ago. You see the stats this year for all three of these players off to great starts in the first quarters of this NBA season. Evan, do you agree with that movement that makes Jason Tatum now the lone favorite to win NBA MVP? I think it falls right in line with all the narratives that you have to have for an MVP winner. A great team. So far, Boston's the best record in the NBA. Jason Tatum's played a great offensive season as well, over 30 points per game. He's continuing to improve year after year. He's a full-blown superstar at this point, in my opinion, in the NBA. So I think it makes total sense. Plus 270, seeing Luka Doncic drop down a little bit from that number because the Mavericks are struggling so bad this year at under 500, not 10 and 11. Giannis makes a lot of sense there, too, behind Jason Tatum. One name I would throw out there might be a little undervalued right now in the MVP market is Devin Booker. I think he makes an awful lot of sense. He had 51 points in three quarters at the Chicago Bulls. The Suns are one of the best records in the NBA, too. He's probably right behind them, I imagine, in the MVP odds. So I'd keep an eye on Devin Booker as well. But Jason Tam, for sure, with the odds move as of yesterday, makes total sense to have number one right now because this Celtics team is firing all cylinders with an interim head, co interim head coach as well with Missoula. Right now, Devin Booker 30-1 to to win NBA MVP, tied for the seventh best odds, substantially behind those big three at the top with Tatum, Giannis, and Luka, all with relatively short numbers, but some ground to be made up, and that's why Evan Sideri is a pro's pro. I was going to ask him where he expects that movement to continue to go throughout this NBA season and a number to keep an eye on. Devin Booker for the Phoenix Suns, the best record in the Western Conference. Giannis has had to do a ton this year to post a 15-5 and five mark for Milwaukee because he's been doing it all without Chris Middleton. That changes tonight, expectedly at the Pfizer Forum, Evan, as the Bucks host the Lakers. An eight-and-a-half-point spread in favor of Milwaukee this evening against Los Angeles. Now that the Bucks are adding Chris Middleton back to the fold, what, what can we expect from Milwaukee? I think it's going to be a completely different team, to be quite honest. You throw in a 20 to 25 point per game score and Chris Middleton back into the lineup, way less pressure on Giannis offensively, way less pressure on Drew Holiday. Those are two of the best defenders in the NBA, by the way, at their position. So now you can just focus more on the defensive side of the ball, let Chris Middleton cook offensively. As we all know, Giannis is a great offensive player, too, so he'll get his numbers as well. But this team has not been at full strength all season long. They're still 15 and 5, and in spite of not having Chris Middleton, which is pretty incredible, in my opinion, because Chris Middleton is an all star level player in, the, in this league. And then you add in this type of coward player into lineup with Milwaukee. They're going to be, I think, the da most dangerous team in the Eastern Conference. It's them in Boston, in my opinion, 1-2 in the East right now. And with, if Middleton can get really acclimated quickly within the, their system right now, I think it makes an awful lot of sense to ride this team here with Milwaukee and see how they play the next couple months. Because Middleton him being back is absolutely massive, in my opinion. No points prop out for Middleton just yet. One is out for Giannis Antetokounmpo, 31 and a half. So even with Middleton back in the rotation, Giannis will still put up ridiculous numbers, as is the expectation for LeBron James in year number 20, 26 and a half is LeBron's points prop tonight in Milwaukee. The Lakers, Evan, four games below 500, eight and 12, trying to figure it out. They've showed some glimmers of hope here recently, but still, again, in eight inch 12 record you mentioned it right there in discussing what Chris Middleton means to this Milwaukee side 
when you look at the Eastern Conference right now, it's a two-team race, both in the standings and from the odds perspective. Boston, 18-4, and four, the best record in the NBA, two games in front of Milwaukee, who has a 15-5 and five record. And we see that also reflected in the odds. Evan, do you believe it's a two-team race at the top of the Eastern Conference? And if so, is there a challenger you think might have some value? Yeah, I totally agree with the, the books here. With Celtics and the Bucks, plus 200, plus 240. Personally, I would flip that for Milwaukee number one. I just think the mm. presence of Chris Milton being back and the way Yoss is playing right now, I would have Milwaukee as my favorite. So I would take plus 240 right now for the Bucks if I had to make a pick right now. But looking at the overall odds board for FanDuel, again, I'm going to hammer this team until they prove me otherwise. So Cleveland Cavaliers at plus 850. I just think there's still great value with them. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland have been amazing together in the backcourt. Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley are elite defenders around the rim, too. It's a great environment for Donovan Mitchell to be a superstar type player, which he really has shown over the last couple months. He still is. So I love Cleveland as a long shot value there, plus 850. But for sure, at this point in time, I would definitely say it's Milwaukee and Boston and the top two right now. And we've seen that from the odds all year. Boston and Milwaukee going back and forth, back and forth all summer and now all regular season long in the association. The Brooklyn Nets have the third best price still to win the East, a plus 700 number. And in terms of rotational pieces, Ben Simmons is set to miss the next couple of games with a calf injury, but they get some help back. TJ Warren, who last played in the 2020 NBA season, is expected to debut tonight against the Toronto Raptors for the Brooklyn Nets. Evan, what kind of impact can we expect TJ Warren to have for this Brooklyn rotation? I would say simmer expectation just a little bit for TJ Warren. I, he had a great bubble two years ago. That was two years ago, this point, over two years ago when the bubble happened. And definitely TJ Warren, I've watched it throughout his career in Phoenix, also in Indiana. He's a great scorer when he gets the ball in his hands. He's shown it throughout his career, a 20 plus point per game scoring, given the opportunity. But he's been consistently injured throughout his career. So if I was a Nets fan listening to this, if he gives you 15 to 20 minutes per game, gives you five, eight to 10 points off the bench, that's perfect. I, I, that's exactly what you need for them off the bench right now as a bench scorer. He's not going to give you much more than that right now, in my opinion. I'd be slow with him as they bring him back into the lineup. But TJ Warren, if he is the old TJ Warren we saw in the bubble, he's a fantastic scorer who will fit right into the Nets. And he'd be, if he was fully healthy all season long, Ben, he could be a six man of the year candidate if he does get going right away. That's scoring off the bench, adding depth right now for the Brooklyn Nets and Jacques Vaughn, a key component. And TJ Warren's been doing this even dating back to his days at NC State. You see the number right there, just a point and a half in favor of the Nets in Brooklyn tonight inside the Barclays Center against the Toronto Raptors. Let's go elsewhere in the Eastern Conference. Evan, the Atlanta Hawks off to a great start and have simmered down just a little bit. They've lost six of their last 10 games, but still a record with two games above 500. The Hawks host the Denver Nuggets tonight, Evan. What can we expect from this matchup between Denver, Denver and Atlanta? I actually like the underdog in this one. I like Denver. I think Nikola Jokic is going to have a huge game that gets Atlanta. He's consistently done it throughout his career in these types of matchups where it's a very fast-paced game and it's a lot of free space in the offense. Nikola Jokic usually has monster nights, assist-wise, scoring-wise. So I would definitely take a look at his props tonight as well. I think Michael Porter Jr. is in line for a great game tonight against Atlanta's wings too. But the, when, when you see Atlanta on the court with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be very fast-paced. So I would definitely lean Denver here, in my opinion. But it's very close, as the odds indicate there with the one-and-a-half-point spread. But I would lean the underdog here. Yeah. I, Nicole Jokic is the back-to-back MVP for a reason, Ben. I'm not going to bet against him right now. 
Yeah, and that line is moving. As of right now, the Nuggets a two-and-a-half-point road favorite in Atlanta tonight. Evan, around the NBA, the first quarter of this season, there's been some surprising teams off the strong starts really nobody expected. Out West, the Utah Jazz were in the first spot for the first couple of weeks of this NBA season. They've cooled down just a little bit, but again, still a winning record at this moment. In the Indiana Pacers, Evan Sideri, where you are in Indianapolis, three games above 500, a 12-9 record. The Pacers on the road in Salt Lake tonight. The Jazz, a four-point home favorite. Is either team legitimate, in your opinion, Evan Sideri? How sustainable is this success for both Indiana and Utah the rest of this season? I hate to be a Debbie Downer here to Jazz and Pacers fans, but I think the end is coming near for their hot streaks. They were both playing very soft schedules early on. It's kind of reverting back to the mean here over this West Coast trip for Indiana. They got blown out the last couple of games. Sacramento, they allowed 140 points the last night as well. Utah, as we know, they're a very like jumbled together team. A lot of those guys were just acquired via trades, and they're all just getting their chemistry back together. They wrote a hot start early on with Laurie Mark and had an incredible run. But I just think we're seeing right now, these falling back down in the mean here, these teams will be more so in the top 10 picks, probably down the road that there will be playoff contention. But tonight alone, this is a great game. I mean, you have a couple great young players and Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mathurin for Indiana. Laurie Mark can have a resurgent season in Utah. It should be a great game tonight, in my opinion. I would lean Utah for tonight's game. But overall, for their season outlook, I would definitely say take the unders at this point for the Pacers and the Jazz. The Utah Jazz had one of the lowest win totals entering this season in the NBA, somewhere in the mid-20s. They are already on pace to go over that in the first fourth of this NBA season. So relative to expectation, a great start for Utah and the same for Indiana, but we see it reflected in the odds. The Pacers still 180 to 1 in the Eastern Conference. The Jazz still 100 to 1 out West. But as Evan said, these individual matchups can still be a ton of fun, especially from that prop perspective. I'm sure you know the name Tyrese Halliburton now, all of you out there, but death taxes Tyrese Halliburton over when it comes to points, rebounds, and assists. Evan Sideri, as always, we appreciate your expertise in and insight entering a new NBA weekend. Evan Sideri from basketballnews.com. Thank you, and have a great weekend as well. You too, Ben. Thanks again for the invite. Really appreciate it. I hope Evan Sideri makes the short trip over to Lucas Oil Stadium for the Big Ten Conference Championship game between Michigan and Purdue tomorrow. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We round out this opening hour of the morning after on a football Friday, live right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159, all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. A football Friday, like we mentioned, in multiple capacities. We have previewed the NFL Sunday slate. We'll continue to do that in hour number two. As we start the second hour, a breakdown of conference championship weekend in college football that begins tonight including the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas between USC and Utah and a football Friday because in just a few minutes, the final matches on the final day of the group stage of the 2022 World Cup will kick off in a huge one to start off the knockout round tomorrow. I believe, do you? That's the question we asked and fade the public. 
round of 16 after a thrilling victory over Iran in a must-win game in their third and final match of Group B play. The Americans now on to the round of 16 to take on the Netherlands. Win in advance into the quarterfinals. It would be the first trip for the U.S. since 2002. So can the United States pull off the upset? Who will win and who advances to the quarterfinals at the 2022 World Cup out of the knockout round tomorrow? That was the question. Netherlands or the U.S.? Right now, most of the public, as you would expect here on our poll at Sports Grid TV on Twitter, 60% saying Team USA can pull off the upset tomorrow to get to the quarterfinals of the 2022 World Cup. But the odds have the Dutch booked as a minus 245 favorite to win outright. If you bet Team USA on the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can get free bets back. What is better than that? Wake up early, have your kegs and your eggs, and get ready to kick off at 10 a.m. Eastern time in the knockout round of the 2022 World Cup tomorrow for the United States men's national team. Hour number two is up next here on the morning after following a Sports Grid News update from Alex Vassano.